This is Colorful Commentary. Okay, so today we are going to talk about the November 5th election results, the Electoral College and how that affects our elections today. And, you know, we're going to have to get into a little bit of impeachment. Okay, we just must. So let's get started. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the sixth commentary. This is like so exciting. And yeah, I just said like, because you know what? I did. So it is what it is. <laughs> Anyways, oh, as usual, there's so much to talk about. When I tell you all of the news that has gone down since the last episode, it's crazy. I wish I could cover it all. I can't, but I'm going to do my best to give you just the top headlines and then give you links and resources of where to learn more because that's the whole point, as I say and say again, is to of course listen in here, but for this to be your jumping off point to learning more about what's going on around us because that's the only way we can engage and make a difference. So first things first, we are going to talk about the November 5th election results. It was a pretty good results for either side. I'd say that the Democrats came out on top as far as for the election results, um, at least for a lot of the big name headliner ones. So I'm going to roll on down the list. Obviously, I can't cover every state. Hopefully you voted in your state and have followed up to see what the results were. Um, but for those, obviously, even statewide results, they affect the national landscape and how the parties plan, how they're going to spend their money and what they're going to do for 2020. Because obviously next year is the presidential election, which means it's a major election. So the biggest headline of the election night is that Democrat Andy Bashir declared victory over the Republican Matt Bevin. Now, why is that a big deal? Well, that's a big deal because if anybody knows Kentucky, you know it's pretty much assumed that it's going to be a red state and it's going to go for a Republican governor. Although Andy Bashir's father, who governed, I was going to say ruled, but I'm like, that is not the appropriate word. So his father governed before Matt Bevin took office. Matt Bevin is only going to be a one-term governor. He seems to have made a lot of enemies, <laughs> even among his Republican friends and colleagues. So now when I first saw this, I said, oh my gosh, this is amazing because this means that this is more likely that Mitch McConnell will be out of the Senate come 2020 because that man is just a scourge. I feel like I'm not saying that right. A scourge. Yeah, I think that's right. A scourge on all things good and holy and right in our country. Democrat or Republican, nobody should want... <laughs> no, if he agrees with me, I would have a problem. I would be like, I need to reassess my thoughts on things. That's just how out there he is and how ruthless he is. I mean, they call him Massacre Mitch because he's been holding back gun control legislation. There was another shooting today at a high school. It's the 38th shooting at a school this year, and it's the 365th shooting in 318 days. And 
Mitch refuses to move forward the gun control legislation on the premise that he won't move forward with anything unless he knows the president is going to sign, which if you don't know, which sometimes it, you can forget, the executive branch is the president and all his people. The legislative branch is Congress. The judicial branch is the court systems. So this idea that, cause it kind of makes sense in theory. Okay, why am I gonna pass it if the president is gonna veto it? Well, it's because you're not the same branch of government. You're supposed to provide checks and balances on each other, not say, hey, you're gonna be okay with this? Can I do this? That's not the way it's supposed to work. But under him, that's exactly how it's gone down. So again, I was hoping this meant that he would get ousted come 2020. That could still happen. But apparently Matt Bevan made a bevy, pun intended, of, <laughs> of enemies, as I said, Democrat and Republican alike. So he more so got outed because people didn't like him. And then as I said, Andy Bashir is the son of the governor before Matt. So he has name recognition. So this doesn't necessarily mean that there's gonna be bigger democratic influence in the state, but it also doesn't mean that there won't be. So we're just gonna watch this closely and see what this parlays into, if anything, for the Democrats come 2020. So now the next big headline of the night was that Democrats won control of the Virginia state legislature. Big deal because they have the governor, the lieutenant governor, now the state house, and now the state senate. So now they can actually get gun rights laws passed. They can get voting rights laws passed. They can get a lot of stuff done that the Republican members stopped from happening. Now, in 2018, Democrats won by 200,000 votes but they still lost control of the House and Senate by about one and two seats apiece. So it just showed the insane effects of gerrymandering because those districts were gerrymandered. Thankfully, they were struck down in court and they had to redraw them in an actual just way. And now you see the fruits of that that Democrats actually have control of the VA state legislature as they should have in 2018, excuse me, I keep saying 2018, excuse me, as they should have in 2017. So this is a big deal, like I said, because it shows that when gerrymandering is struck down, then the people's will actually gets done and that's what Republicans, not in all states, there are many states who in the popular vote, support Republican policies, but there are also many states like North Carolina, like Ohio, like Virginia, pre-fair maps that are either purple states or blue states, but their legislature didn't reflect that. So this is a big victory. It's a big win for Democrats. And it says a lot of where the country might be moving. Now, the next major story well, it's actually not a major story, but I just thought it was interesting and wanted to bring it up. Julie Bricksman in Loudoun County, Virginia, was elected to the Board of Supervisors. Now, you might not know her by name. I know I didn't, but I had heard about her story. Apparently, Trump in his motorcade, I think last year, was driving through Virginia and she was photographed flipping him off. And... 
her identity got out and her job fired her for that, which I didn't think was right. I mean, it's not like she threatened him or anything. She just let her ire be known publicly and she didn't ask for anybody to take a picture of her. But anyway, so she got fired. So it's just kind of satisfying that now she's in government <laughs> and she won in once again, Virginia. So I just thought that that was a nice story. Just, you know, full circle, full circle. So now Democrats took all five seats in the former Republican stronghold of Delaware County in Pennsylvania. And they now have the majority of seats in Chester County, Pennsylvania. Charlotte, North Carolina elected Democrat Vi Lyles to a second term. That's interesting and notable one because she is an African-American woman and two because she is the first mayor in quite a few years to be a second term mayor. <laughs> Apparently Charlotte likes to do one and done so that's a big deal for her. Now in Lewiston, Maine, a Somali refugee named Safia or Safaya, I can't figure out, I kind of like it either way, but Safia Khalid won a seat on the city council. She's also a Democrat and she's the first Somali to have that honor in the state of Maine. So big wins, major moments. Um, for the Democratic Party, also major moments for the Republican Party. Because although Andy Bashir in Kentucky won the governorship, Republicans won every other big nationwide. Did I just say nationwide? I meant statewide election. I was just about nationwide is on, but let me not, let me not, let me not give them a plug. Okay. But <laughs> Republicans got basically every other big win in Kentucky. So moving on to Mississippi, the Republican Tate Reeves won over the Democrat Jim Hood for Mississippi governor. But even if Jim Hood would have won, he would have had to win by 55% to 45% because of a racist electoral college law that's a carryover from the Jim Crow era. Now, in 1890, Mississippi held a constitutional convention, which one of its main purposes was, and I quote, to eliminate the nigger from politics, end quote. Now, I'm only saying the N-word because I'm a black woman, thus I have the right to. So let me just disclaim that right now. But among other things, that constitutional convention established a poll tax, prohibited interracial marriage, and instituted separate schooling for the races. So again, this isn't black and white writing. This electoral college law has racist roots with racist intent. And so basically what it is, is that Mississippi has 122 legislative districts and that to win the majority is to win the election. Not the popular vote, but the majority of the districts. And if you don't, if neither wins the majority of the districts, then the legislature gets to decide. And guess who the legislature is? Republican, you know, but that's just, that's just a minor convenience, right? Coincidence, I think not. In fact, I know not, and I think you do too. So the reason why this is a problem is of course, most black people tend to vote Democrat and most black populations in most states are very concentrated due to the lasting effects of redlining and other such racist programs and initiatives. So 
that limits the voting power of that group of people because if they can gerrymander because Mississippi is very gerrymandered if they can gerrymander the districts to make it where let's just say 12 of the legislative districts are majority black well then so what they'll throw away those 12 and just let the democrats have them because they don't care but now they've done it where the more rural areas that have less populations count just as much as the more urban areas that have a more populous population because it's by district again not by individual vote adding up to whoever gets the majority which is how just about every other state runs its elections but not mississippi because you know they just had to outdo it now i'm sure you've heard the concept of the electoral college before because that's how our nation elects the president which quite frankly I never understood and I'm still trying to understand it as we speak because trust me I'm right here with you I hope I'm being eloquent in my explanation but I'm really learning as I go so I'm please do not think I'm more advanced I'm just simply putting in the time and effort to research so that you don't have to so now with the electoral college it's basically the same thing where each state now this gets very confusing so I'm gonna try and keep myself straight (laughs) and hopefully keep it straight for you as well I'm going to provide a link that's actually super informative and breaks it down so please please look into that because this is how our votes are decided this is how our president is elected so it's important that we know what's up so again I'm still trying to get there (laughs) but I'm going to explain it as best I can so the electoral college is a system that the framers instituted. Now, what it does is it takes away the popular vote from having the power. So if you remember in 2016, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by 3 million votes. So if anyone tries to tell you that, well, the people decided, the people decided they like Trump more than Clinton. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. The people, what the people decided was to elect Hillary Clinton. What the Electoral College decided was that Trump won. And so now what that is, is that based on each state's population, they get a certain number of seats in the House of Representatives. And then every state, regardless of population, gets two senators. So each state's electoral votes is their number of representatives plus the two senators. So that's how many electoral votes they are. It's 538 electoral votes are cast in the electoral college total for the president to be elected. Now, this is only for president and vice president, mind you. They have to win more than 270. Donald Trump did win more than 270 electoral college votes. That is correct. But again, he lost 3 million popular votes. Well, how does that happen, CC? Well, let me try, and keyword emphasis on try, to explain. The reason that happens is because, as I said with Mississippi, each district within the state is going to count equally. And so you can have a state that the majority of the population votes for, let's say, Hillary, but not the majority of the districts, because often rural districts go Republican and often 
rural districts are larger in number, excuse me, larger in size, but smaller in population number. So that means you can have New York City, right, that has millions of inhabitants in its district. Let's say they all vote Democrat. And then you can have the rest of the New York State, which let's say, and I'm being facetious here, or rather I should say hypothetical, let's say doesn't equate to New York's, the population of New York City. Let's say they vote all Republican. New York State would go to the Republican candidate because the majority of those other districts went Republican, regardless of the fact that the majority of the people went Democrat. So a lot of people are calling for the abolishment of the Electoral College. I'm going to provide a link to a petition to abolish the Electoral College. If that is what you believe should happen, if you think the popular vote should decide elections, then you do not, in essence, support the Electoral College. So now I hope I explain this very well. As I said, I'm providing a link where they will explain it better, but hopefully you were able to follow that. <laughs> okay, so moving on into the president that was not elected by the popular vote, but was elected by the Electoral College, who is now being impeached. So I don't know what that says about the Electoral College, but I'm just going to do a quick update on impeachment. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it this week. I will definitely go into it more depth next week. And the reason why I will go into depth next week is because impeachment hearings just started yesterday. This is a big deal. Now, a few weeks ago, I told you that Nancy Pelosi said, you are not going to make me hold a vote on the impeachment inquiry. We are going regardless. Well, she changed her mind. Not sure why she changed her mind, but she did. And so she did hold a vote and it passed. Now, two Democrats voted against the impeachment inquiry but absolutely no Republicans voted for it. You can see that two ways. You can see that as, well, that means that look, even two Democrats don't support it, so it must be invalid. Or you could see that as, dang. So y'all are really in his pocket as Republicans because at least one or two of y'all must have agreed that the impeachment inquiry should go forward, but nobody voted for it. So where is the morality in the party if nobody can even express dissent, right? Which is the mark of any good democracy. So now there has started impeachment hearings, public impeachment hearings. There's been private depositions, but these are now public impeachment hearings. Now, in one of the private depositions, Ambassador Sondland, who's a Trump appointee, quote, refreshed his memory and <laughs> updated his testimony to say that there was a quid pro quo and that aid to Ukraine was tied to Ukraine publicly committing to investigating the Bidens. Now, he updated this testimony basically to avoid being charged with perjury. And if there's one consistent theme, all the people that worked on, around, in Ukraine felt that withholding the aid was unusual but yet they didn't go to congress about their concerns so it's this question of well why didn't you you could have been the whistleblower before the whistleblower and said that this is wrong this needs to stop but they went along with it so now yesterday bill taylor and george kent both ambassadors for the u.s testified in front of congress the republicans 
particularly Devin Nunes and Jim Jordan, basically made themselves look like asses, which is not hard for them, not because they're Republican, but just because they're asses. So, you know, that was that. But the Democrats and some Republicans, they asked really good questioning and really positioned these two witnesses to give the full scope of we know what happened so we know what happened we know that trump wanted ukraine to investigate the bidens and not only investigate but publicly announce these investigations to help his election chances in 2020 and that to force and strong arm them into doing it he withheld aid to ukraine now mind you just a little side note which we're gonna get into next week all this benefits russia and that's not a coincidence. Definitely not a coincidence. So anyways, that testimony was yesterday. It was really like, whoa, this is not good for you. This is actually horrible. I'm sure Trump wasn't singing when he heard what they said because it was really bad. But I'm going to provide a link to C-SPAN so that you can listen to it for yourself. Even if you just tune in, tune out, tune in, tune out. It's actually some really good stuff. And like I said, I'm going to get into it more next week. But all in all, the Trump, the Trump, the president committed a crime that the Democrats believe is impeachable. The Republicans are arguing that it's not. It's up to you to listen to this testimony, ongoing testimony, and make your decision. Now, tomorrow at 9 a.m., Maria Ivanovich former ambassador to Ukraine that Trump and Giuliani got pulled out of Ukraine is going to testify. I think hers is going to be even more bombshell than yesterday's because she was like inherently involved in this whole crazy setup and uh, I'm really interested to hear what she has to say. So if you have time, tune in to C-SPAN, MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, whatever. Tune in, listen if you can. If not, I will be providing an update come next week. On to the exciting news, which I should have said in the intro, but you know, it makes it even more exciting because I'm saying it now. You want to know what it is? Do you? Do you do you do? Well, colorfulcommentary.com is now open and ready for visitors. Yes, finally, the website is out. Yes, 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 yes. I'm so excited. If you cannot already tell, so please visit. Let me know what you think. As you know, it's colorful with two L's, commentary.com. Please, please, please fill out the subscriber form with your name and email so that you can be on my mailing list. Please, please, please chat with me, whether it looks like I'm online or not. Trust me, I am. I'm checking it. And let me know your thoughts on what you feel about the podcast, what you would like me to talk about next, and any other questions, concerns, or compliments that you may have. So please, 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 this is the place to make yourself known. And I'm so excited to welcome you to the site and to this community we're building. So... On that note, I'm going to let you go and I'll be back next week. Until then, stay colorful.